Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Welcome, everyone. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. Very, very excited to be back with you this week. This is actually one of my favorite podcasts. Today, we're going to have the opportunity to talk to, to an individual I've known now for a couple of years, uh, just uh, getting reconnected again. But yet, I followed him since our first interaction, and I love what he does. I love his approach to life. I love his creativity. And today, we're going to take a little, little different spin. We're going to be talking more about uh, financial security. We'll talk about the FIRE community. We'll talk about some side hustles you can do in retirement. But to do that, I want to invite my friend and guest, Kevin known as the Financial Panther by his followers and by myself. I, I love the name. We talked about it in our first meeting quite extensively, but uh, I love what he does and his goal to bring financial security to America. So Kevin, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, great to talk to you again. It was so fun to catch up again. Unfortunately, we often don't get to talk as much as we'd like to. I end up uh, following you on Instagram and other places, seeing what's going on. Looks like you've been extremely active. When I originally uh, met Kevin, he, he didn't uh, have any children. He was married, but didn't have a kid. He's got a child since then. So that adds a whole new dynamic. But let's talk a little bit about your background, Kevin. You, you were an attorney. You ended up uh, leaving that job uh, a couple of years ago, maybe more than that. Can you talk a little bit about your transition and some of what you're doing now? Yeah. So um, I went to law school and practiced law for five years in a couple different settings, first in a large law firm, then in government, then in a nonprofit. I left my last legal job in 2019 to pursue writing and blogging full-time. Also, I guess, side hustling full-time, if that's kind of a, <laughs> if that makes sense. But something that you've done quite well at. I know I see your posts all the time and you're doing things that most America wouldn't even think of. I mean, I see times where you're traveling and you're taking packages and stuff to people across the country. I see where you've got to go do something with your, your son or you've got to do something with the family and somehow you're making money on the way back uh, from doing that. How's that process been for you? And, and how do you find your creativity to do all these things? Yeah, you know, I've always been kind of like a optimizer type, I guess. And one of the things is so, you know, I'm really big on gig economy apps. These are the apps like Uber Eats, DoorDash, these apps that you can use on your phone. They're so easy to sign up for. And what I discovered when I first started doing them was that they're really easy to incorporate into the things I was already doing because you could just turn them on, see if something made sense and go do the gig or whatever, and then turn it off later. And so I would just kind of incorporate these things into my day-to-day -day life. So like the first time I started doing these, I remember I would come home from work and I would like turn on one of my food delivery apps and I would bike to work and bike home from work. So I would like find a delivery kind of going back towards my house and I would do that, and, you know, make a couple bucks on the way home. And it's like not really much extra work because I'm already going that way. Even today now, I uh, pick up my son. I use an e-bike to pick him up and drop him off at school. And on the way back from daycare, I will often turn on the apps and just see if there's anything kind of heading back towards my house so I could earn a couple bucks on the way home. 
It's cool how you've optimized your life. And part of that, I know when we talked originally, is you were part of the FIRE community, would consider yourself a part of that. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the community and how maybe that's changed for you since you originally left the law firm and thought, hey, I'm going to approach life a different direction now. Yeah. So, you know, the FIRE community is uh, financial independence, retire early. Kind of the general idea behind the FIRE community is if you um, are kind of save up enough money, eventually you'll have enough that your savings can support your lifestyle uh, indefinitely is the idea. And so when I first kind of discovered the FIRE community, you know, I was like pretty unhappy with my job. And so, you know, kind of natural thing is how do I get rid of my job? And that's when I discovered FIRE community and the idea was, oh, okay, so if I don't like my job, I just need to save up enough and then I won't have to do that job again. Along the way, I kind of discovered side hustles and I started blogging and realized I enjoyed these kind of things. And so my view on like how to think about financial independence and that kind of thing changed when I discovered that I could still earn income while doing something that I wanted to do and kind of have more control of my schedule. And so these days now, my kind of view on fire of like, if originally I thought fire as, oh, you know, just trudge through my job for X number of years until I've saved enough and then I can quit and do what I want. Now my view has kind of changed to like, what can I do now to kind of get the life I want instead of having to wait till later? And I think it falls right in line with some of my thoughts. And we talked a little bit about this before the show. One of the issues I've always had with the FIRE community, not that I'm against it at all, but I feel like as a retirement risk advisor, there's so many challenges can happen in a 50 or 60 year lifespan. You end up getting out of the workforce at 35, 40, and then maybe you've got a great uh, period of time up until you're 60 or 65. But if things don't work out, now you're in a really bad position to get back where you need to be. And yet part of what you're talking about is really part of the the thoughts that I've had as I've looked at it saying it's really more than just a number. It's really a lifestyle. It's getting to a point we can do what we want. Uh, We do need to all work and do things just for either our own uh, self-worth, you know, to be able to have the emotional self-worth we need, whether it's to give us something to do every day, pretty hard to, to just vacation and party every day. So we need these things in our life. And it really sounds like what you're doing is taking life with that approach. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, like as I've gotten older, you know, I'm still, I'm, I'm not that old, but as I've gotten older, I've come to that same idea with like the the way we think our life is going to turn out is never going to be that way. You know, if I went back to myself five years ago, 10 years ago and thought, oh, I'm going to be like writing and trying to make money online, doing that kind of thing as my life, there's there's no way I would have thought that, right? And and that's what I've noticed. Like, you know, no one knows what the, even the next year will look like or the next two years. And so trying to like think that, oh, we can like, get to this point and everything will work the way we want to work forever is, you know, it's kind of unrealistic, I think. And so if you can still figure out a way to kind of enjoy your life, maybe earn some money, you know, do something you want to do, that's kind of the way I think we should be doing things. I would agree with you. As we look out across retirement as someone who is in that space all the time now, one of the things I see is even those who work until 60 or maybe 70, 
over 50% of them have it fall apart. They end up living off Social Security. They have a less than expected retirement. And so to take this approach now, I know you mentioned it's something new to me that there's different types of fire community out there that barista and, and other names that you use. Talk a little bit about the division of what's going on there with uh, this group. Yeah, you know, so there's like different types of fire these days. There's like the traditional fire, which is like typically the idea is save 25 times your annual expenses. And then people have kind of other versions of fire. There's like the ones I really like. There's uh, one called barista fire, which is essentially if you save up a certain amount that can cover some of your expenses, and then you just need to make a little more each year to cover your expenses. And if you think about that, so let's say you're in a position where you've got enough to cover, you know, let's say you need like $40,000 a year to live, right? And if you have enough saved to cover 30,000 and you only need to make like actively go out and work and make $10,000 a year, you can do basically anything to make $10,000 a year, right? You know, you could go work at a golf course and then play golf afterwards. And this is a kind of an interesting position to be in when you just need a little bit of money every year to live, you know, because you have most of it covered. Another type of fire that I also like, and that is like kind of like a point that I reach, I think of it as a tipping point, is coast fire. This is when you've saved up enough that even if you do nothing, like if you save nothing until you hit traditional retirement age, you'll probably have enough just based on growth and compound interest and all that to cover your traditional retirement age. To hit that point, obviously, you need to start saving a lot when you're young, which is something we should all be doing anyway. Once you hit that point, it really does give you a lot more confidence in making kind of big career moves or making big life decisions because you kind of know, like, even if I kind of mess up or I do something wrong, I'm probably still going to be okay. And so I'm in that position right now where I'm at coast fire, which even if I save nothing, and I still save like a lot of money every year, but even if I save nothing, I will probably be okay when I hit 65 years old to cover what I need to cover. We, we have a lot of people in retirement that are that way. They've saved up as you were doing, and we encourage people to do. They've gotten themselves to a point. But we also have a group of people that I would say maybe similar to the barista fire that they're using Social Security as their base during retirement, but have to get a, a gap filled. And some of them have not saved at all. Any side hustles out there? I know you use a lot of things for yourself. And again, you're nowhere close to a, a typical retirement age. You're just getting started with kids and that portion of life. But any recommendations for those that are in retirement where they could turn for things they could do to offset that Social Security, maybe give them a little better retirement there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and this is one of the things I discovered about my audience when uh, people were reading my posts, I discovered when I first started writing about like these gig economy apps, I kind of assumed they'd all be like young millennials doing these apps, you know, delivering food, dog sitting, whatever. And then I discovered I'd have a lot of people reaching out to me who are actually older and were in retirement or about to retire who are picking these things up just because of how flexible they were and how they could make some pretty decent money with them and it could cover kind of like smaller expenses for them. So, you know, like I look at someone like if you're, let's say at one of the apps I use a lot is an app called Rover. Uh, it's a dog sitting app. Think of it like Airbnb for dogs. People go out of town, they need someone to watch their dog. And so if you are someone who likes dogs, it's like a very easy way to make extra income every month. You know, I make typically 300 to $500 a month on Rover, just dog sitting. Like I'm dog sitting a dog right now. And, you know, it's pretty passive because I, I already own a dog, so I already have to do all the dog tasks anyway. 
And then having a second dog in my house really doesn't add much more work. And it's actually kind of enjoyable to have like a second cute dog in my house. But, you know, so if you think about that, even making, if you make $500 a month extra, you make $6,000 in the year, it's like can cover some things. And, you know, if you think about in terms of like the traditional 4% rule for retirement, which is that you can withdraw 4% of your portfolio, if you make $6,000 a year, that's the same as having $150,000 saved up, <laughs> you know? And so that's a big deal when you think about these small amounts that, that ways. You know, if you make it $500, $1,000 extra per month, it's worth a lot more than you think it is just from like a portfolio standpoint. And I've got to assume something like that is getting more popular. I mean, I know I look around as I drive around, the, the pet hotels now are, are every bit as nice as a hotel a, a human would stay in. Yeah. And so it's obviously people are spending money on their dogs. And if they have to travel, they've got to have a solution. Again, what a great opportunity uh, for people to be able to you know, do something. I know when people have watched our dogs that, hey, you know, we expect them to walk them at time or two during the day, feed them three times a day, but it's not like you've got to do something 24 seven. Right. Right. I always let people know, like, you know, I do work, I go out of my house, I'm not home 24 seven. And so your dog needs to be able to handle that. And most people's dogs are because most people have to work. So their dogs are able to stay at home and whatever. So that's one example. You know, another one that's a great for people is the food delivery apps, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub. I always recommend people do these on a bike if they can. And Especially nowadays, if you can do it on an e-bike, which saves you on gas, saves you on energy because you don't have to like pedal yourself, and it's really like using a car, and it's fun. Like you know, if you can make a little bit of extra money, get a little exercise, get out on a nice day, and you know, kind of have a little treasure hunt, a little scavenger hunt, something like that, where you're just going to a restaurant, delivering stuff off. It's kind of like a playing a game. And that's like another way to, you know, if you're looking to make extra money, that's another way to do it without having to do a ton and while having some fun doing it. I was in Florida about a month ago and I know the guy that picked me up the hotel, 80 plus, Mm -hmm. I think 82 years old. And he was out and lost his wife looking for somebody to talk to pretty much every day, needed some excess money. And he's like, look, I love this. I love the opportunity to just get out and connect with people. So yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just whatever you can do if you enjoy it. That's the important thing I think with any of these things is do something that you have fun doing because I wouldn't do any of these side hustles if I didn't enjoy doing them. And is there a place you can find the majority of these? I mean, obviously we've got Uber, we've got DoorDash, we've got Rover. Somebody put an Airbnb together, maybe with part of their house that they had a bunch of kids they raised in. And now they're saying, look, I don't need to use all this. Is there a place they can go to find these, maybe even through you that they could get access to more of these options? Yeah. You know, I do actually have a blog post I wrote. It's called the ultimate list of gig economy apps. And I have basically every gig economy app I could find. And most of them I've used myself because I usually write about things I actually do. I can put the link up somewhere so you can get that one. But that is a good resource. It's a huge list of just all the different apps out there. And you know, the great thing about these gig apps is they don't cost money to sign up for them. So it's like you can sign up for it, try it out. If you don't like it, you just don't do it, you know, and you move on to something else. I think about things that you're talking about versus one of my friends, Mike, he works down at the Kroger down here. He's got to be in his uh, mid sixties. He's miserable. 
He, he just hates it. In fact, I, in order to get his name to even try to become friends with him, I had to ask one of the other employees. I'm like, what's going on with this guy over? I really want to talk to him, get to know him. And they're like, oh, that's Mike. He's miserable every day. Good luck in even talking to him. Well, since that time, we've been able to communicate a number of times and had some interaction, but he just hates the job. He just hates having to go there every day. And yet I think about what you're talking about, where you can have flexibility. And if it's super cold outside, which for him, he's pushing carts in the snow and cold weather, you're not having to do that. You can pick other things to do that would be much easier, much more enjoyable, and probably even pay as much, if not more, than what he's getting down there pushing carts every day. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I think having the flexibility is just so it's just so important. Kevin, when you look at retirement, things like Social Security and obviously being self-employed, uh, many times you've got expenses that are eating a lot of that. Any thoughts uh, from a Social Security or, or retirement standpoint or recommendations you would give people that are, are trying to do this at a younger age to get themselves to a point in retirement that they have the resources they need to be able to get through another 20, 30, 40 years once they hit that point? Yeah, well, so for younger folks, you know, I've always had the opinion that if you can, you got to do the weird things now when you're young while you can, because it gets a lot harder to do weird things when you get older. Usually these weird things benefit you financially. So, you know, the example is with Airbnb. My, my wife and I used to rent an Airbnb in our house, just a room in our house. Um, and it was great because it was basically covered our mortgage for our house. Uh, just from the one room. The four years we were doing Airbnb, we basically were not paying our mortgage. And that, like, you know, or we had someone else essentially, the Airbnb money was paying our mortgage. And so that really helped us out financially because that's a, that's a big chunk of money. You know, most people, their housing is their most expensive thing. And nowadays, since I have a kid now, you know, and then when there's the pandemic happened, we stopped doing Airbnb and we're probably never going to do Airbnb again, just because with kids, it's just like, you know, we can't keep our house clean enough and it's just too much, too much to deal with there. And so that whole like income stream that we once had is probably going to be gone because we just can't do that kind of thing anymore. So when you're young and you've got this like opportunity to do weird things, that's a good time to do it because, you know, so if you can like house hack, you know, live with the roommates, do weird side hustles, whatever you can when you're young, it's a good time because you have the energy, you probably have the ability to do it while you're in your current stage in life. And, you know, it will just get a lot harder later to kind of live outside the ordinary, in, in my opinion. Are you a CPA who wants to gain control of the risks facing your retirement? Sign up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement, to learn the best techniques and strategies to reduce or even eliminate the top 10 financial risks facing your retirement at retirementriskadvisors.com. One of the things, too, that I, I've got to recommend, too, to those that are listening is to make sure you're setting stuff aside. It's like Kevin just talked about with his Airbnb. Oftentimes, these things are not going to last forever. Now, we had things like the pandemic that obviously shut down some of the delivery apps and some of that that was going on. It may have made some of them better. 
uh, you know, then maybe DoorDash became much better than, you know, regular Uber. But you've got to look at it as temporary, that you're not going to get to a point that, hey, I'm spending all that money. I've got to set some aside. If it goes by the wayside, hey, I can live off savings for a month or two or three or four or six, whatever it may be. And then I can get back out there, find something else and get the income stream coming back in and do the things that I want to do. Would you agree with that? I do. Yeah. And that's another thing with all of my side hustles I did when I was working full time and side hustling, I never spent any of the side hustle money I made like for things I wanted for myself. I always set it aside and just put in a separate account and it just would keep growing and growing. And now because of that, you know, over the years I've side hustled, I keep track of all the income I've earned side hustling on my blog. And, you know, I've earned over like $130,000 from side hustling and I've never spent that money. Like <laughs> I just, I just put it aside always because it was just money that, you know, when it was a side hustle, it meant I didn't need that money. It was like bonus money for me. And so if I didn't need to spend it, I could just kind of set it aside and it has added up, you know, small amounts over time, they add up. What great advice for anyone that's out there trying to figure out how to save money. I know that's one of the challenges many families have, that they just don't feel like they have enough money coming in to be able to save. But yet, if you can take a few hours at night, a few hours on your weekend, and even you, I mean, again, it's not that many minutes out of your day, maybe even a half hour if that long, that you're going and doing these things as you do your daily tasks. And it works out. Again, I know I've seen you, you send, ship stuff on airplanes and other things. And it's like, hey, I'm making money while I'm doing the natural things a person's going to do in life. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And, you know, yeah, like I've done like some, some like posts where I've kind of looked at the math of like these small amounts, you know, and it's like, if you look at just like making like an extra $20 a day or $30 a day, and you can save and invest that money that you earn, that extra money over, you know, 20, 30 years, it adds up to huge amounts, <laughs> like surprisingly that you wouldn't even think about that, like, oh, $30 a day, $20 a day, it doesn't seem like much, right? But like, you can earn that with these apps, you know, in an hour, hour and a half, right? It's not like that much work. And most of us have that time. Like we can do that. Yeah, I don't know anybody that I know that's not wasting that much time each day doing something unproductive. <laughs> whether you're my age in your 50s, whether you're age in your, your 20s or 30s at that point, we've all got that extra time, whether we're raising kids, out of the kid stage, whatever it may be. Yeah, Kevin, any parting words uh, as we try to wrap things up? Any other ideas that we didn't cover today? Any other concepts, especially as we look at at people going into retirement and how they may handle some of these issues they hadn't thought about before. Because fortunately for many of them, they came from a different generation. We didn't have all these side hustles when we were in our 20s or 30s. They've come out during that period of time. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I just think that if you're entering into retirement or something, just to think that these side hustles, you know, these small, small amounts are worth a lot more than you think. When I first thought about that using the 4% rule, but use it in reverse and thought about, oh, wait, if I make $10,000 per year doing anything, that's the same as saving $250,000 and withdrawing 4% from $250,000. That made me realize, oh, like earning $10,000 doing something is worth like a lot of money. Like it takes a lot of money to make $10,000. And if I could just like take an hour a day and make $10,000 instead over a course of a year, it's worth a lot. And so if you're like in that like last phase, you know, and you just, if you can just think of something like, what can you do that'll make that much money, you know, 5,000, 10,000 bucks a year, it does help you a lot 
in terms of like, you know, your portfolio with drawdown and all that stuff. A couple of other things I would add to that uh, as well as we wrap things up, and I appreciate the, the great info and the great content, is number one, be very careful investing large amounts of money in something that's new. It's one of the things I loved about what Kevin's talked about. He's like, look, these are free apps. You don't have to pay anything. You can go try them out. I see far too many retirees that all of a sudden invest $100,000 into something they don't know. And before they know it, instead of making $10,000 extra a year, they've lost everything they put into there. So that's number one. Number two, I would tell you, as you look at the opportunities that are out there, think of your unique skills. We had the opportunity doing some traveling this last weekend, went to a restaurant, lady that was there helping us. She was at least in her 70s, maybe into her 80s, uh, wasn't moving around very well, but she was an ama- amazing poet. She had this great poetry. Well, our personality is such that if someone has that type of stuff, as we get to know them, we invite her to sit down and share some poetry. And yes, yeah, she spent some extra time with our family, but we very well rewarded her in our tip for, for the time that she spent with us. I mean, she made well more than she would have done uh, doing any other thing that day. So I think we've got to look at those as well and say, hey, what is it we're good at? Look at those opportunities. Again, I love what you presented, just saying, hey, try some out. See what you think. Maybe you hate it. Maybe you love it. But you don't have a big investment either way. And you can move forward and figure out what's going to be for you. Yep. Kevin, how can people get a hold of you? How's the best way to get a hold of your blog to get more information in regards to what you're offering and the great advice that you're providing to people to help them not only get safely through retirement, but I think get uh, happily through life by being able to do things they love? Yeah, uh, the best place to reach me is on my blog, uh, financialpanther.com. You can check out what I've written there and there's a contact page there. Feel free to shoot me an email. Always happy to chat with anyone. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. For those of you that are looking to get safely through retirement, you can go to our website, retirementriskadvisors.com. There you will get access to the educational tools, the resources that you need to be able to not only reduce, but also eliminate the risks that you face during retirement. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning and you don't want to miss it. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcast or Spotify if that would really help us out. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com to sign up for more than 15 free CPE retirement webinars.